You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. If you could have found a bigger book to hide behind, I'd like to know where it is. This book measures about four and a half feet tall, and it's about maybe seven feet wide. Dr. History, good morning. Good morning, Zeb. And it's all I could do to carry this book you in know, here. You come in like the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> no, it's a great book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, it's we're going to continue with last week. I talked about the Snake River Plains, yeah. And uh, I just we didn't quite get through it. And I want to thank Ray Bagby. Uh, Isn't he, he a nice guy? Oh, super nice guy. Yeah. He's the guy that has built that exact replica of a, a stagecoach and a hearse. Super nice guy. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, he called me and gave me some information about Fort Hall and Fort Boise. Uh, but I've got to say, Zeb, we were up to Island Park and West Yellowstone this last week, and I met some very nice people, a couple from North Carolina. Really? And I invited them to... Tar Heels. T- tune in to our show. Yeah, North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah. Holy smokes. Well, now, uh, what about uh, worldwide, nationwide, etc.? Are you getting a lot of people to respond? Uh, yeah, we get. I get emails about every week from listeners all, all so around. So do I, but not many of which we can put on the air. <laughs> well, mine are good, Zeb. <laughs> so the Snake River Plain, you know, when you think about back in the 1800s, this was a barren, worthless-looking country, not much rain. I mean, the dust would fill your lungs and your eyes and your ears. And uh, But, you know, Eliza Spaulding and Narcissa Whitman, they were the first females to come across. And by wagon, they made it as far as Fort Boise. And that opened up the country for uh, immigrants to start coming to, uh, to the far west. Now, what about those two women? I mean, did they travel with each other, or were yeah, they, they traveling were with their with families? Families, with they, their husbands right, and their families. Right. They were together okay. with their husbands, and that's what really opened up uh, the immigration If that you started. tip that book over my computer and everything's <laughs> going to go over on I'm the I'm hanging floor. on, Zeb. I'm hanging on. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, it was the travelers got uh, out this direction. Uh, they could stop at Fort Hall and some of these places and trade six worn-out oxen for four healthy good ones. Uh-huh. And uh, at Fort Hall, they got a lot of good free advice. 
advice, and that good advice invariably was to go to California instead of Oregon, uh, and some 60 miles west of Fort Hollis where the trail forked with the Oregon-bound trains continuing along the left bank of the Snake River uh, while wagons headed to California turned south and west up the wide, flat valley of the Raft River. May I ask you a question sure. about Fort Hall and other locations that supplied goods and services for the uh, settlers? Okay. Where did they and how did they, on a regular basis, get all the food and the goods, the rifles, the bullets, etc.? Where did they get all this shipped in? It must have been a pretty good freight service someplace. Yes, there were Teamsters that would... Uh, Come up from Salt Lake or something? Uh, yeah. Um, any, even far back east, they would come from Independence uh, and bring goods to the Teamsters with their sometimes three wagons pulled by 20 mules. And you think of those mostly going down the Santa Fe Trail down that direction, but uh, there had to be freight wagons coming this direction Yeah, to bring all the I often wonder, goods. because the supply chain, you said, well, they could trade oxen, right. and they could do this, that, and the other. They must have been some big, booming places. Exactly. And Fort Hall was one of them. But, uh, you know, I think I mentioned last week that there was a couple that were coming to the fork where they had to decide whether to go to Oregon or to California, and they couldn't decide, so just before the fork in the road, they turned the oxen loose and let the oxen choose which way they were going to go. You know what Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take, take the it. left. <laughs> no, he just said take <laughs> oh, it. Oh, take it. Well, so the oxen went left and they went to California. I see. So, anyway... Uh, you know, those that went that direction uh, through the city of Rocks, uh, it must it was pretty rough, too. They had to cross the Humboldt Desert, uh, which was as bad or worse than the Snake River Plain, over the Sierras by way of Donner Pass. But the British, uh, they kind of minimized the hazards of the California Trail, and they exaggerated those of the road to Oregon. Hmm. Now, being Americans, a goodly portion of the immigrants regarded the advice as a little bit suspicious simply because it came from a Britisher Mm -hmm. until the discovery of gold in California. Oregon's green, fertile, well-watered, thick, Timbered valleys held a lot more appeal than land owned by the Spanish-speaking foreigners in California. Furthermore, since the British were trying to persuade them not to go to Oregon, it must be a pretty good place to go. So most of those, uh, the wagons uh, continued along the Snake River heading to Oregon. That had to be kind of a sad occasion when you've traveled almost all across the continent with people, and all of a sudden you reach that literal fork in the road, and they go to California or Oregon never to see each other again. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, now that the beaver was done, many mountain men had become professional guides. The $4 a day they were paid, uh, an ex-trapper for his services, was the finest insurance against trouble a wagon train could buy. And despite the fact that government-backed exploring parties under men like uh, Captain John Fremont were being sent west to survey the country during the 1840s, the Snake River region had long been familiar terrain to white trappers. And, Zeb, we've talked before, they came clear down into this area trapping beaver, clear down here along the Snake River. We think of them mostly like up in the Rockies, up towards Montana that way. But they did come down this direction. Do we have any beaver left in this area at all? We do. 
Yeah, I uh, check out some of the golf courses. Oh, okay. <laughs> You'll right. find that there's some trees that are being okay. uh, chopped down, so they're okay. still around here, yeah. But uh, when led by a veteran trapper, a wagon train seldom encountered, encountered serious difficulty. He knew every trail, stream, hollow, hill, and landmark, where the best grass grew, where water could be found, where there was wood for cooking fires, where the nuisances of mosquitoes and flies were gone, uh, taken away by the cool evening breezes, where cushioning dust rather than the hoof destroying rocks made the going easier, where canyons and rivers could safely be crossed. All these facts were filed away in his mind in greater detail and with more accuracy than in volumes of official government reports made by Fremont and his survey crew. Uh, the trappers' very survival attested to the fact that they had graduated from, quote, the Rocky Mountain College with high honors, and though they may not be able to read or write, these guys had it in their head. That was a question I had. Were any of these people like Kit Carson or any of them educated to the point where they kept diaries? Okay, one of the best books I've read is called Journal of a Trapper by a guy named Osborne Russell. And he did write all of his experiences. And in fact, he's the one that came up with the term Rocky Mountain College. And so Osborne Russell was one of the guys that uh, I have referred to quite a bit as far as uh, uh, one of the guys that knew the area and also wrote about it. So he he has some folks. If you want a good book, it's called Journal of a Trapper by Osborne Russell. Hmm, I'll have to get that. Yeah. But the most important service that the mountain man rendered the immigrants was his knowledge of Indian language, uh, his shrewd judgment of Indian nature, and the respect of his presence with the train. The Indians knew that if there was a trapper in the in the wagon train, that they kind of better watch their step but they would still play some practical jokes uh, they would bully strangers that they thought if they thought they could get away with it since this was their homeland uh, the immigrants they were a little nervous ill at ease and they'd suddenly see a horde of Indians on a rise and they'd come galloping toward the wagons yelling and you know it would paralyze the women and children and send their husbands and yeah but and wasn't brothers. that taking a chance that they'd start a shooting well it sent the husbands and the brothers scrambling for their guns, but this was an old, uh, what they call an old hat to the ex-trapper. He knew what they were doing. Uh, a show-off stunt aimed to draw attention and scare the greenhorns. Now, if they didn't pay him any attention, it, would, it was just harmless. It would end in good nature laughter, handshaking, pipe smoking, but... As you just mentioned, Zeb, let some feather-brained pilgrim grab his gun and start shooting. Yeah. Not a good thing. No, I mean, that's kind of opening the door for chaos. Yeah. So, you know, you had to... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. 
Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. That's why a good trapper was such an asset to So he could say, hey, don't worry about it. These are friendly Indians. They're just playing a joke on you. Meanwhile, he has 16 arrows sticking out of him. (laughs) Well, at that point, you'd probably say, well, maybe these aren't the friendlies. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Oops. Sorry about that, folks. Now, uh, now and again, some opinionated immigrants who, before leaving the East, they got a bunch of maps and they've got some pamphlets and they considered themselves experts on how to get to Oregon. Oh, my. Okay. And they persuaded their parties to dispense with hiring a guide. Uh, Such persons who disregarded this common sense rule, it often didn't go well. Uh, Donner Party. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And and others, there's there's a, a small wagon train of about five that left Fort Hall. They were late in the season. And instead of following the Oregon Trail, they tried to take a cutoff north across where Shoshone and that direction. Is that the Hudspeth? Uh huh. And they tried to go across there. Well, they got about halfway over. They got caught in a severe, severe snowstorm. Uh, there were three trappers, and they were headed up into the Bellevue Haley Ketchmary oh, to I trap see. for the winter. Yeah. And uh, over at Fort Hall, the captain told them, he says, watch out for this little wagon train. They, they might be in trouble. And sure enough, they got there, and these people were in trouble. So they saved some of them. Yes. What happened is... Uh, one of the trappers had uh, an Indian wife, and he said, she can stay here with some of our horses. We'll make a camp. She'll be okay. And so they uh, loaded up these wagons. And, well, the people in the wagon train, they thought, well, we'll just wait for the snow to go away, and then we'll keep going. Well, the snow was here for the winter. Yeah. They would have, star- they would have died. They would have wow. starved to death and frozen. So these three trappers took them across the lava fields, Zeb, Back and forth across wandering uh, to try to find a way. And they made their way clear over to the Hagerman area, Hagerman Valley, which, folks, uh, I know you're not familiar with that, but that's an area where they grow uh, peaches and pears and watermelon. It's down in the canyon, the Snake River Canyon. It's always warmer down there. By far. And there is feed for the animals. So after a pretty extensive... uh, trip they made it down there to the hagerman valley they left the wagon train there where they were able to survive the winter and then continue on it amazes me how these settlers could be and i don't mean this to be derogatory but really that dumb (laughs) to do that sometimes yeah Yeah. so normally 50 wagons comprised a strong enough train to pass through the snake river country with no danger from the hostiles but at times smaller groups of only 10 8 or 6 wagons attempted to make the journey normally a train must reach fort hall folks that's in eastern idaho early in august if it was to complete its journey before the bad weather came and its livestock should be in good condition before the desert crossing was a Tempted. But at times, poorly equipped, poorly organized, and poorly powered wagon trains came late to the eastern part of the basin and, against all advice, tried to make up for lost time by pushing these exhausted animals and people whose judgment by that time was seriously impaired by the hardship. And it was beyond their strength and endurance. They were, they were worn out. Zim. How many miles could they, on a good day, travel? You're talking... 
15 to 25 Maybe miles. that much, huh? Yeah. Depending yeah. on the terrain. Right, right. If it was flat, they could they could probably do 25. Really? But if it was hilly and rough, you know, 15, maybe less uh, sometimes. Now, at Three Island Crossing near present-day Glens Ferry, Idaho, the main branch of the Oregon Trail crossed the Snake. It angled northwest across flat, dry, sage-covered plains to the Boise River, then descended that stream to its mouth. Here, the Snake had to be crossed a second time. Now, along this trail, the mileage was shorter, the grass was better, the going was easier, and the danger from hostile Indians was less than that along the route which followed the left bank or the south of the snake. But self-guided trains, after a study of the map, sometimes they decided that avoiding the risk of the two river crossings was worth a few extra miles, and they took the longer route, which was not good. And usually they wished they had not because there was a term called dry trail, and that was absolutely true. Drifted dunes of sand, gorges, sheer steep gorges of incoming streams, unending miles of glass, sharp lava rock. It broke down the wheels. It wrecked the wagons. And just imagine what it did to the hooves of the oxen, turned them into bleeding stumps. Uh, There was little grass, less game, and the waters of the snake were often inaccessible. And, folks, remember, this was there was a steep canyon. You could see the river, but you couldn't get to it. I have a question for you. Okay. I was reading a book about a year ago, and I cannot find the book. It's here in this office someplace, which is understandable. I can't find it. And they said something about some of the wagon trains, and you'd know about this, had what they call a forage wagon where they would go out and cut the grasses from the meadows and everything and follow along and then feed it to the livestock at night. Is that true? You know what? I have not heard that, but it makes sense. It makes good sense, yeah. but I haven't been able to verify if that really happened. Right, um, and I can't I can't verify it either. But okay. it does make sense that that, that would have happened. Yeah. But, you know, again, this when they went on the left side of the Snake River, uh, it was much worse going for the, for the immigrants. And worst of all, the Indians in this area were less friendly to the wild. Uh, than the others uh, on the other side of the river. And with the rugged, seldom traversed, uh, trackless wilderness of the Owyhee Mountains uh, near at hand, it was uh, they could raid and kill and vanish into the wilderness, you know, without being caught. And during the first wave of immigration across the Snake River country, there were two pretty bad tragedies that wiped out uh, wagon trains. One was on this area on the north, south side called Dry Trail, and the other on the Boise River to the north. Now, last week... Uh, we talked about... You're going to tip everything over, you know that? <laughs> well, I'm trying to get around this big book. <laughs> so I want... Ray Bagby told me about Fort Hall and Fort Boise. Yeah. So I want to share a little bit about those. Now, Fort Hall was a fort that was built in 1834 as a fur trading post by Nathaniel Wyeth. And it was located on the Snake River uh, in southeastern Idaho. Now, Mr. Wyeth was an inventor and businessman from Boston, Massachusetts, who also founded a post at Fort William, which is actually in present-day Portland, Oregon. Are there still remnants of the actual location up at Fort Hall? No. No? Nope. Uh, But anyway... So Wyeth, he was unable to compete with the powerful British Hudson's Bay Company based at Fort Vancouver. So in 1837, Wyeth sold both posts 
to uh, to, the, to the British Hudson's Bay Company. Now, Fort Hall developed as an important station for immigrants through the 1850s on the Oregon Trail. It was located at the end of the common 500-mile stretch. You know, it took about 500 miles just to get to Fort Hall. Now you've got another 300 miles to get clear over to Fort Boise. Now, there was an estimated 270,000 immigrants that reached Fort Hall on their way west. The town of Fort Hall, Idaho, later developed 11 miles to the east, and Pocatello developed about 30 miles south on the Portneuf River. Now, in the 1860s, Fort Hall was the key post for the overland stage, mail, and freight lines. We talked about freight. Uh, to the towns and camps of the mining frontier in the Pacific Northwest. So that kind of answers our question, Zeb. There were freight wagons coming through. And in 1870, a new Fort Hall was constructed to carry out that function. And it was located about 25 miles to the northeast, and it protected stagecoach, mail, and travelers to the northwest. Now, was the United States Army garrisoned there? There were some there, yes. Uh, at different times. Now, Fort Hall is considered the most important trading post in the Snake River Valley. It was included within the Fort Hall Indian Reservation under the Treaty of 1867. And this answers your question, Zeb. No building remains at either of its sites. But do they know the exact location? You know, I believe there is actually a monument uh, at either one or both of those uh, sites. That's a shame there's nothing left. Right. And, you know, it is too bad. But What now, was the ending date of Fort Hall? Do you know well, what Well, it... you know, basically it's still over there. It's a reservation, no, but, but the I actual mean, building. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when it finally just fell into disrepair and nothing left. So I don't know how many years it kind of was still in existence. Uh, now, Ray Bagby told me about Fort Boise. I want to finish up with that. Uh, there is a Fort Boise, an old fort up at Boise, and it's near the Veterans Hospital. And uh, he told me that inside the Veterans Hospital, if you'll go in there and walk down a hallway, there's a bunch of pictures of the old fort. And I feel guilty that I have never gone to the fort, or uh, now I know I'm going to go into the Veterans Hospital and look at these pictures. So thanks, Ray, for, for letting me know about that. But Fort Boise is either of two different locations, uh, both in southwestern Idaho. The first was a Hudson's Bay Company trading post near the Snake River on what is now the Oregon border. So uh, quite a bit farther west and, and over by Ontario, right over close to the border. Yeah. So quite a, really quite a ways farther than the actual town of Boise now. Now, after several rebuilds, the fort was ultimately abandoned in 1854. The second was established by the U.S. government in 1863 as a military post located 50 miles to the east up the Boise River, and it developed as Boise. The town we know of now, which obviously became the capital of Idaho. Now, are there still remnants yes, of that? Uh-huh. There yeah, are. Yeah, and that's the one I say, I'm I telling you I, I need to go visit. But uh, the Overland Astor, Astor Expedition are believed to have been the first whites to explore the future site of the first Fort Boise while they were searching for a suitable location for a trading post. That was the one over by the Oregon border. And that was in 1811 when they, the Wilson Price Hunt Company came right through here. 
and and uh, they uh, went through the Cauldron Lind. Yeah, uh, right over here. Right over a mile north of me. Right, and yeah. that's where they lost one uh, some of their gear, and <clears throat> one of their men uh, drowned yeah. going yeah. through that. Anyway, uh, the Hudson's Bay Company operated Fort Boise until its abandonment from 1835 to 1844. The fort was headed by the French-Canadian Francois Payette. Have you heard of that name? Well, evidently they must have named a town after they, him. And a river. Oh, yeah. Right? right? Yeah. Well, here's what's interesting, Zeb. He staffed it with mostly Hawaiian employees. And Hawaiian? Hawaiian. And it soon became known for the hospitality and supplies provided to travelers and immigrants. Now, Zeb, where do you think we got the term Hawaii uh, Desert, Hawaii area? Right there. I didn't know that. I, did, I didn't either. But, yeah, it became, because of the Hawaiian employees. Hawaii, so, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. And so yeah. southwestern Idaho folks is referred to as the Hawaii Desert. i got to run. Uh, one last thing. Well, no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to run a lot I know, of time. I know. Uh, unfortunate. I'd like to have more. Let's do it again next week. Okay, we'll I'll Absolutely. see what I can find. Absolutely. But that's the story. I of the didn't Snake know River that plane. about the Hawaii and Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, large area. Okay. Well, there you go. Our trek across the Snake River Plain. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.